0: fear. Facing up to fear. I'm really excited to uh, share some thoughts with you this morning on this topic. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes around on the internet and most of it isn't true, but (laughs) this explanation of fear is false expectation appearing real. Have you seen that? I think it's going to come up on the screen. Maybe not. False expectation appearing real. Fear's job is to actually make you forfeit your destinies, to make you forfeit your future, right? That's what fear's job is. It's kind of like that that scary movie where the the lights go dark and the music starts and you're scared already, but nothing's actually happened. And perhaps nothing would happen, right? That's what fear is. So we're going to tackle that today. And uh, look, before we get into this, I just want to tell you, when I met Jesus at 23 uh, years old, I actually was brought up a pastor's kid, but left the church at a very young age uh, and really came into a relationship with God at 23 years old, as Hartley mentioned. And the very first scripture that God spoke to me, that he wanted to teach me, that I printed out and blue tacked on my wall next to my bed so that when I went to sleep, I would read it every night. I know you don't need to do that because you're studious, right? You don't need to force feed yourself these things, but I did, and I still do. Uh, it was 2 Timothy 1:7? It was the New King James Version. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. That was the very first scripture. And it was up on my wall and I would read it every night and I'd personified it and I'd I'd, uh, read it every single night. And God really wanted to get that into me very quickly because I carried a lot of fear. From a very young age, I carried a lot of fear uh, through different circumstances that had happened in my life. My mum had passed away when I was young. My oldest sister had passed away. My youngest sister was severely brain damaged. I'd been abused as a young child. And all of this stuff had happened uh, while I was actually the pastor's kid and I was very confused. And I, I'd learned from a young age, not from anyone trying to teach me just in you know the, the response of a child, that I didn't want to speak up because I didn't want to make any, anything any more stressful because there was just so much going on. I wanted peace and I just didn't want to speak up. I didn't want to give any, anyone else anything to stress about. And I carried a lot of fear even at that age. I actually could not even confidently, I mean at 23 years old, I couldn't even look you in the eye, shake your hand and introduce myself. I just had so much fear. So I think God really wanted to teach me this from a very young uh, age in him. That was one of the first things he wanted me to teach me of his ways, his heart, his power, his authority. God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me power. He has given me a spirit of power, his spirit. He has given me love and he has given me a sound mind. So that's our foundational scripture, and I encourage you to take some notes today and write this down, because if you're like me, otherwise you won't remember anything. So write it down. Now, there is, I just want to set a little foundation here. There is healthy fear, and there is unhealthy fear, okay? So healthy fear provides us with the natural parameters that keep us safe. God's given us that for a reason, all right? Now, so that's healthy fear. That's okay. So there's unhealthy fear which is the type of elevated, unhealthy fear that is holding people back. And we need to manage unhealthy fear responses. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So a good question to ask yourself is, is this fear healthy, rational, providing me with safety and wisdom, or is it unhealthy, irrational, keeping me from experiencing all that life has to offer? Are you with me? So we're dealing with the latter. A little note, not really relevant to this, but I thought it was interesting. The number one fear of people around the world is public speaking. (laughs) That is the number one fear. Number two was death. Go figure, go figure. Anyway, I just thought that was very interesting. Don't don't really understand people. All right, so step number one, step number one in facing up to fear is exactly that. It's facing up to it. It's facing up to it. And I think that's gonna come up on the screen. Facing up to fear. David didn't pretend that Goliath didn't exist. (laughs) David didn't pretend that Goliath didn't exist. You know, I get excited when people face up to things because it always equals growth. It always equals growth. I'm a fan of self reflection and growth, and let's get to the root issue of that thing and pull it up and figure out how it got there so we know how to make sure it never gets there again. (laughs) I actually was going to study psychology when I finished school, but I chose music instead. I think my husband's very pleased because I analyzed him enough as it is. Um, (laughs) So I did learn this about myself, and I think this might help some of you today, especially if you're married to one. I'm a peacemaker. So there are peacemakers and there are peacekeepers. They're two different things, all right? So peacemakers, we want to like get to the root issue. We want to pull that root up. We want to dig around, make sure there's nothing else there. We want to know how it got there. So we make sure it never gets there again because you don't know what you don't know. And that's okay, right? And we want to get to the root issue and make sure it's all sorted. It's all sorted. We want to deal with some stuff to make sure the next generation don't have to. Yeah? All right, and it's biblical, by the way. We're not just being annoying. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So there's peacemakers, and then there's peacekeepers. So peacekeepers do just that. They keep the peace, keep everything happy, surface. Let's not actually deal with the root issue, because it's going to cause a little bit of disturbance. Let's just keep everything smooth, even though it means there's going to be more issues in a few months, and then in a few months, and for the rest of our lives. It's kind of like having a dislocated shoulder, right? You can kind of wrap that thing up and put a nice jacket on and just cover it and you won't disturb anyone. You won't even have to miss a day of work. No one will be disrupted. (laughs) But you've got a dislocated shoulder and you're in pain and you're inhibited. Or you can go to the doctor, hello Jesus, allow him to touch that thing and pop it back into place. And just for a minute, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Just for a minute. But that thing, once it's popped into place, full healing, full restoration, long-term. That's the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because facing up to fear, you need to be a peacemaker. you got to call it for what it is. got to get it out in the open. Call it for what it is. Let's not keep it in the dark anymore. Think about what is that thing for you? Hey, What is the reason why you haven't started that project? Maybe it's fear of failing. What's the reason why you never actually apologize to that person? Maybe it's fear of their response. What's the reason why you're keeping that relationship at a distance? Maybe it's fear of rejection. Think about it. Everything that's kept in the dark seems worse. It's like the five-year-old who's sure there's a monster under her bed and then she turns the light on and it's a shoe. Bring it out into the open. Call it for what it is. Now, here's the thing. I can honestly tell you that I feel fear on the regular. It outworks itself as anxiety at times with everything. with doing radio interviews. Um, A lot of the time I can't even see the person's face, but it's live, and when you can't see their face, you can't read their body language, by the way. That's a little uh, tip that I do with television, which helps me know what's coming. Um, With television, it's live. You don't really know what's gonna happen, but you're the one that's going to fall, the things that, you know, go pear-shaped, I feel fear uh, with uh, us moving to another country. We're giving away everything that we have ever owned, our deposit that we have saved for, for years and years and years. It's all going to the church plant. I feel fear. I'm doing it anyway because I know that God's told us to do it, amen. But it doesn't mean that I don't feel fear. I feel the fear and I do it anyway because I know that God's asked me to. I know that God's asked me to. I feel it and I push through it. And I'm going to give you uh, two ways that I do that, that God has shown me how to do that. And uh, it's this, this, this first key, but it's going to come up as the second point, is put your efforts into the antidote. Put your efforts into the antidote. Perfect love casts out fear. 1 John 4, 18. I'm just going to read you the message version. It says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. So this is what I have learned. If you put your efforts into the antidote and not put your effort into fighting the problem, It's actually better because sometimes we actually make things bigger when we fight them. Our attention actually exalts them. We don't mean for this to happen. We're so devoted to seeing that addiction broken or or that fear beaten or whatever it might be that we're we're so focused on fighting it that we actually exalt it by giving it all our attention. But if we focus on the antidote, which in this case is love, the perfect love of the Father... That perfect, unending love, there is a love encounter as we soak in His presence. It's not up here, it's discovered through encounter. Soaking in the presence of God in worship, in prayer, there is a love encounter that starts to recalibrate the fear part of our life. So if you've got a lot of fear, get in the presence of God. Perfect love casts out fear and allow the heart of the Father, the love of the Father to soak and wash over you. Put your effort into the antidote. Experience the love of the Father. And the the point number three, which is the second key, is pick up courage. Pick up courage. You know, as I mentioned, I feel fear regularly, and I actually regularly pick up courage. (laughs) Now, here is what it's like for me, okay? So I know that God's asked me to do something and say it's over here. And here am I. And there's a wall here of fear. That's often what it looks like for me. But I know that he's told me to write that song, or I know he's told me to record that album. I know he's told me to plant that church, okay? But here's fear. I'm feeling it, I'm seeing it, but I'm gonna take a step anyway. And I literally physically pick up courage. I literally go like this sometimes. I'm picking up courage and I'm taking a step. I'm picking up courage and I'm taking a step. I'm picking up courage and I'm taking a step. Are you with me? The fear... As I keep moving forward, the fear just slowly starts to shift. It's always here, it's still here, but I'm picking up courage and I'm moving forward. Are you with me? And it diffuses its power. I pick up courage and I move forward. I pick up courage and I move forward. Because you know what? That fear, it's, it's, it wants you just to stay there. It wants you to stay there, do nothing with your life, do nothing that God has called you or asked you to do. It wants you to sit in the corner until you're 120 and die. That's what it wants you to do. Hebrews ten thirty eight says, "But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one that shrinks back." God doesn't want you to shrink back. He doesn't want you to shrink back. Psalm thirty four four. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. You know, I love Moses in the Bible. There are many um, elements of his story that I've been able to relate to over the years, some very unfortunately. Um, But (laughs) when God first started to speak to me um, about speaking about him, uh, (laughs) we had this conversation and it kind of went like this. It was like, God, um, I don't feel like I'm very eloquent in speech at all. I did this homeschool system. Um, at a church until grade seven before homeschooling was really monitored. And, and then I went to a public school in Ipswich. Uh, I didn't even know what netball was. I didn't know what the chicken dance was. Like, honestly, it was, yeah. Anyway, Ipswich is great and it's progressed. Um, <laughs> but I felt like I was always two steps behind. I didn't really come into full relationship with Jesus till 23 years old. And I was saying to God, you know, I don't think quick on my feet. I'm really not very eloquent. Uh, I know I can still sound pretty bogan at times. And, um, you know, there's people that are much better equipped for this, that are going to do a much better job. Like, have you seen my husband? (laughs) He's been a Christian his whole life. He's done a triple major. He speaks two languages. (laughs) There are other people, God. He was on the debate team, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) That was my conversation with God. And God really spoke to me. And I actually want to share both scriptures that he spoke to me out of, because when I was preparing this today, I really felt like there are some people here that God has asked you to share about him wherever it may be, your workplace, your mom's group, your family, in the church environment, and you're shrinking back because of fear. So I want to share both of these with you. Exodus 4.10, this is what God said to me. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you, and I will teach you what to say. I will help you. I will teach you what to say. That is a word, not just for one person, but for many people here today. And the second, Jeremiah 1:9, then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, "I have put my words in your mouth." God has put his words in your mouth. Our job is to be clay, <laughs> is to be malleable, is to be flexible. Our job is to be clay. And as we see the story of Moses, he delivered 2 million people from slavery and went down in history as a hero. Doesn't mean that he didn't have fear. Are you with me? What is it that you're not saying because you're afraid? Write these scriptures down. Put them on your wall next to your bed so they're the last thing that you look at. <laughs> hey, if you've got to do it, you got to do it. Get it into you. Get it into you. You know, I've shared um, part of my story a few times, and I always say, this is just part of my story, but it's enough to show what God can do, and it is. But I had had this conversation with God where I said, you know, God, I'm actually, I know I actually have a lot of fear about ever sharing my whole story. My husband's actually the only person that knows my whole story. And I said to God, I would only ever share my whole story if you specifically asked me to. And you better have a good reason. (laughs) And maybe, I'm thinking maybe around the age of 70, 80, 90 might be a nice time. Just saying. So I'd had this conversation with God, and uh, earlier this year, God said to me, I want you to tell your whole story. And I was like, that was a little earlier than the schedule I thought that we discussed, (laughs) Lord. And He said, just one person, just one person. I was like, okay, who? And he showed me this woman who I worked with a few times. Uh, I know she's a Holy Spirit girl. She loves God, goes to church every now and then. Um, and I was like, okay, Whew. And I tell you what, I had a lot of fear. But I know, I know when God asks me to do something, I need to be obedient, right? I spent way too many years learning the hard way. So I know I've got that right. So I called her and I said, look, this is going to sound a little unusual, but I feel like God's told me this. Would you like to come over for a coffee and I'll tell you a story? (laughs) And um, she said, I would be honored. And she came over with the coffees and we sat in my lounge room and I shared with her my whole story. And as I finished, she had tears streaming down her face. And then she started to speak. And then she started to share her whole story. And her story was very, very similar. And the thing is, as she finished and she was crying and the Holy Spirit filled that room. He was hovering and healing, hovering and healing. As she shared and as she finished, she said, I have never told anybody that. Not even my husband knows. So as each thing was brought out into the light, each thing that she'd kept in the darkness that had kept her locked in chains, that had kept her in shame, as each thing was brought out into the light, it completely diffused power and God was there. The Holy Spirit was there hovering and healing, hovering and healing. With each and every word, she took one more step of freedom. And she walked out of my lounge room completely free, a completely different woman. And God showed me so many things that day. And number one, it's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> it's not about me. I'm fearful because I'm worried about myself. It's got, nothing about, it's got nothing to do with me. If he needs to use me to help set someone else free, that's my job. My job is to be clay. My job is to be a conduit of his spirit. My job is to allow him to use me however he needs Less of me, more of him. I can't be thinking about myself. It's not about me. It's not about me. Let them think what they want. There are people that need Jesus. There are people that need to be set free. There are people on the other side of you pushing through fear. Are you with me? Who is on the other side of you picking up courage? Who is on the other side of you picking up courage? Who and what is on the other side? And you know what, it kind of works like a domino effect because I know that she is going to set so many other women free, they will set other women free. We are part of a a big puzzle and we all were born on this earth with a purpose on our life. God put a purpose in our heart and we need to fulfill that purpose. We need to be obedient to the call of God on our life because it's all interconnected and if you're not playing your part, you're missing, you're the missing piece and the picture isn't complete. You need to play your part and be true to what God has asked you to do. We need to be clay. Who is on the other side of you picking up courage today? What is on the other side of that fear? A conversation that's going to heal a relationship. An apology that's going to set someone else and you free. That business that you're going to start that's actually going to give people jobs and release others into their destiny You know, the Bible says that the devil goes around like a roaring lion. It doesn't say that he has teeth, he just talks a lot. All right? So don't be afraid. I love this quote by Abraham Maslow, he was a psychologist. He said, one can choose to go back towards safely or fo- safety or forward towards growth. Growth must be chosen again and again. Fear must be overcome again and again. I love it because he refers to pushing through fear as growth, which it is. Moving forward is growth. And he refers to the fact that it is something that you need to do again and again. You don't just make the decision once. You've got to keep choosing. I'm going to pick up courage. I'm going to pick up courage. I'm going to pick up courage. And just as the musicians come, I want to read this scripture. You know, it actually says fear not in the Bible 365 times. (laughs) That's one each day. Come on. I know I did the homeschool thing, but I can count that much. So 365 times. Isaiah 41, 9 to 10. It says, I took you from the ends of the earth. From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what I want to do this morning is I actually want uh, to give us all a couple of minutes to soak in the presence of God to let the love of God, that perfect love that casts out fear, wash over us and recalibrate that internal fear thing in us. And whatever element of this message that is spoken to you today, hey, maybe you're at the beginning and you just want to call it out for what it is. Hey, step one, it's always a good step. It's a step. (laughs) Call it out for what it is. Maybe you just need God and the perfect love of God to wash over you today to strengthen, to focus on the antidote. Maybe you need to make a conscious decision. I'm going to focus on the antidote. I'm going to focus on love. Maybe you need to pick up courage. And I don't mind if you stand there and you just go like this, because I do that. I'm quite visual. I physically pick it up and take a step. I pick it up and take a step. It's actually really helpful. I know it looks a little strange, but it's actually really helpful. So can I just ask that we stand to our feet this morning,